Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf and I'm so excited this week because this week we are talking about The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker. This was my book of 2018. It really did change the way I think about bringing people together and I'm very excited about sharing the lessons with you. So keep listening to find out how this book changed my life, changed my career path and focus me on what I want to do, plus how you can bring your meetings and gatherings to life. You're listening to Steph's Business Bookshelf. Doing the reading so you don't have to. Before we dive into the lessons, as usual, a little bit about the author. Priya Parker is my hero, but other than that, she is the founder of Thrive Labs, at which she helps activists, elected officials, corporate executives, educators, and philanthropists create transformative gatherings. She works with teams and leaders across technology, business, the arts, fashion, and politics clarify their vision for the future and build meaningful, purpose-driven communities. Her clients have included the Museum of Modern Art, LVMH, the World Economic Forum, Meetup.com, Stone Barns Centre for Food and Agriculture, Union for Concerned Scientists and Civitas Public Affairs. Trained in the field of conflict resolution, Priya has worked on race relations on American college campuses and on the peace processes in the Arab world, Southern Africa and India. She is a founding member of the Sustained Dialogue Campus Network. All of that information comes from Priya's website, priyaparker.com. A little bit about the book, The Art of Gathering is about bringing meaning back to when we meet. So often when we bring people together, it just lacks the purpose and interest that it requires, regardless of whether that's Sunday brunch with friends or a weekly team meeting. This book was the one, like I said, that had the biggest impact on me last year. It hit me hard and I think about it and its messages regularly. It's one that I will be rereading at least on an annual basis. It made me excited about engaging in more challenging, read controversial topics at dinner, bringing people together in all formats and applying the lessons to my friends, family, colleagues and clients. The first big idea I took from the book was the idea of purpose first. This big idea is about really coming back to why are we bringing these specific people together? Knowing this purpose determines the who, the what, the where and the when of the gathering brings back to basics so important and that is one of the things that we have lost connection with oftentimes and you know you'll see this at weddings you'll see this at meetings you'll see this at like i said sunday lunch with friends just random people sometimes thrown together or people who have been historically invited to those things but maybe they're not always the right people to be there there's some examples in the book and one of the most impactful ones i thought about was the idea and the example of a baby shower Now, first of all, complete disclosure, I really don't like baby showers, so if you're thinking of inviting me to one, you can maybe extend that invite somewhere else. But the the reason I really liked this example, other than my obvious bias against baby showers, was the idea that by the traditional setup of of a baby shower, if you've not had the pleasure of going to one, is lots of generally women coming together and exchanging gifts and playing games around babies for someone who is having a baby. Now, what this does really is perpetuates that child care and child rearing is the domain of women, which in this modern age is not really where we want to be. We want to be bringing men into this. So if the idea of a baby shower is instead perhaps to welcome and celebrate the next phase of a couple's relationship, by bringing in a new life into the world, then maybe men should be invited. 
because the idea is to share advice, you know, have some camaraderie, come back to the idea that it takes a village to raise a child. So why should men of different generations not be invited to that if that is where we're coming back to? And the purpose of a baby shower being to, like I said, transition the couple, again, whatever that couple, the makeup of that couple looks like, into the next phase of their life. So in that example, by coming back to the purpose, it completely changes what you do, the conversation, because again, that conversation would turn instead of to games you found on Pinterest into, well, actually, what advice do we have for the, the couple who are Britain, the parents who are bringing, or the parent who are bringing the, this baby into the world? The content is really relevant and the purpose idea is really relevant for casual events or formal events. So casual events, like I said, baby shower or more formal events. And this is where I've, I've used this. So the t with teams that I work with on a regular basis, we start often with what is the purpose of this team? What is the work of this team? What is the purpose of bringing this group of people together, either on this project or in this leadership role? To, to do, what is it that they are meant to do? This purpose shapes all of the important planning and 90% of the success of an event is comes down to what happens beforehand. So by knowing your purpose, coming back to letting that determine the who, the what, the where, and the when is so important. And coming back to the purpose will help you graciously uninvite people. And Priya gives some really good examples of how you can graciously uninvite people to events. So big idea number one, and probably the most important idea from the book is purpose first. Why are you bringing this group of people together? Big idea number two is that rules can rule. What Priya shares in the book is that rules give you an opportunity to create a temporary alternative world. Now I'm one of those people who, when I receive wedding invitations, and there's a heap of rules in there about who can come and what you can wear and what you should bring with you and what day you should arrive and all this kind of thing. I get a little bit angry so, and it makes me not really want to go to that particular event. But from reading the book, it really does share some great examples of where rules in place in, or in advance and during a particular event have helped it come together, it have helped it come to life and it helped it get back to that purpose and the potential of the conversation of the connection, which is the most important part of that event. And it's things as simple as no technology. So one of the examples in the book, which Priya talks about quite a lot, is this tradition of a, a day with she spends with her husband and or her friends called I Am Here. It's their I Am Here day. And it's the day of no technology and one conversation. So whenever they stop for a lunch or a coffee, there is only one conversation around the table, whether there's two of them or six of them or 10 of them. So that was in a more social context and how rules can work. From a more corporate example, A.T. Carney, one of the boards there had a rule where questions could only be asked if no new information was being requested. What the board chair had found was that often decision making was delayed because people kept asking for more and more information. It was really just a way of procrastinating and slowing down the decision making process. So the rule he put in place was that questions could only be asked if no new, no new information was being requested. The idea of a temporary alternative world can mean that people kind of start or stop doing what they usually do, which is quite a nice idea or an environment that you can create. And whether that's, like I said, a workshop or getting together on a weekend with some friends, the idea that you can create a different connection for people is really impressive. So that was big idea number two, which is that rules can rule. 
Big idea number three is have meaningful conversations. And this is probably the one, other than the purpose, that has shaped some of the things that I have done with teams in the facilitation that I do since reading the book. One of the examples that Priya shares is this concept of 15 toasts. So it's a dinner that she set with some pretty important people. They all got together and they toasted to a particular question. I've used this with, with groups before, particularly leadership teams, to have a different conversation and to invite one topic of conversation at a meeting or sorry or at a dinner which would otherwise be a little bit pointless potentially or it'd be good for you know some side conversations and a little bit of catching up but really it's such a lost opportunity for deeper better more intense in some ways connection you can invite some controversy with those toasts and with those questions so one of the questions you might set which is one of my favorite ones at the moment is how would you define a great career? Or how would you define a life well lived? And each person has to share their idea of that concept, what they would say, and then toast to it. It allows a little bit more vulnerability, which is very hot right now and very important. So it allows people to connect in a different way as humans, rather than just as the job title that they own. It allows people to share some quite personal and sensitive stories sometimes if they if they feel like it, if the question if the setup is done in the right way there was a really nice example in the book of someone who had some friends over for dinner and he wanted to create a really warm environment because it was to celebrate the end of the year it was to celebrate friendship so what he did was ask people what their biggest achievement was or their their highlight of the year and he then went on to a bit of facebook stalking picked out some photos of that thing from the different people's you know, profiles and their lives and their year and made christmas decorations so when they had their welcome drinks around the christmas tree there was Christmas decorations with the photos from each of the people who were there in the room. And it just generated such a lovely conversation from those people as they said, oh, you know, what, what did you do here? And, you know, they had endless conversation about those different experiences that they shared throughout the year. Another point around creating meaningful conversations is thinking about your logistics and downplaying those a little bit. There, of course, are important logistics that have to happen at all events, whether that's a wedding, a funeral, a team meeting or a leadership retreat. But your opening and your closing are incredibly powerful. Don't squander that time and that opportunity on logistics. So closing out a, conversa oh, a, a really impactful conversation and the last thing people not hearing is okay we're meeting in the bar at 7.30 for drinks before dinner isn't going to have the same impact than if you did that in a different way slightly earlier and then finish on something incredibly powerful that sums up and summarizes or leaves people with something really thought-provoking again this is something I really think about now when I'm opening and closing workshops and thinking about the where I'm placing those logistics items I'd recommend this book for pretty much anyone. At some point in your life or in your work, you are going to be gathering people together. And whether you just call team meetings on a weekly basis, or whether you are planning a wedding or have to say goodbye to someone through a funeral, this book will give you incredible techniques and considerations and thought provokers to bring into those gatherings. Things I really liked about this book, other than obviously the, the three big ideas I've already shared. Number one was the idea that this is about impact and real connection. This fills the gaps we have in society because we're not having real connection. If you read most of the statistics, it's pretty depressing around how politically divided the US in particular is, but other countries are going the same way. 
And a lot of that is because people are failing to connect. They're failing to have real conversations that bring them together. We see this in our organizations even on a, on a smaller but just as impactful scale, that people aren't having real connections. These techniques help us fill those gaps. It's incredibly practical as well. There's techniques, there's frameworks, there's ideas all the way through that you can easily pick up and use for yourself. You don't have to be an experienced facilitator to use all of these techniques. Some of course are a little bit more stretching and you would require some kind of facilitation experience and confidence, but a lot of them are very practical and, and easy to pick up. I also like the fact that the book comes back to why we do things run rather than blindly following formats, traditions and status quos. For me personally, I found the book incredibly inspiring and, and just even as a facilitator, thinking about the potential impact you can have and not just on one team or one organization, but the way you can really bring people together and Priya's career experience, which you get a little flavor from throughout the book, although it's not, you know, it's not a biography or autobiography by any means, the experiences that she's had and the things that she's shaped and the conversations she has facilitated, I just found so inspirational and aspirational if I, when I think about my own career and what I want to do. So if you are a facilitator, you do want to make change in the world, I absolutely recommend reading this book and thinking about the impact for you. I've gifted this book more than any other book this in the last 12 months since I read it. And I know that those who I've shared it with have found it very interesting and very impactful too. So that's it for another episode of Steph's Business Bookshelf. As a quick reminder, the three big ideas I took from The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker were number one, purpose first. Number two, rules can rule. And number three, have meaningful conversations. If you've read the book, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me on at steph at stephclark.com or Find me on Instagram, Steph underscore Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E underscore underscore, and let me know what you thought of the book. Otherwise, until next time, happy reading.